Welcome in to Ohio vs. the World, an exclusive Ohio sports podcast where I discuss primarily the Ohio State Buckeyes, as well as some discussion on the Browns, Cavaliers, Indians, Blue Jackets, and crew. I'm your host, Jacob Wilson, and today i got a solid podcast for you. First, I'll start with a little bit of housekeeping for the pod. Um, then I'll jump into Ohio State and their early signing period, which at this point is basically just the national signing day. Almost everyone signs on uh, this early signing period, so we'll talk about that. A huge day for Ohio State football yesterday. Then we'll talk about who we think is going to be the starting QB next year for the Buckeyes. Talk about the Browns beating the Broncos. It's been, what, five days since that, but still going to talk about it uh, since it's my first podcast since they've won that game. Uh, Talk about who played well, who didn't, all that stuff. And then jump in a little bit to some other Ohio sports news. And then that should do it for this podcast. Going to keep it quick and simple because I'm recording this in Boca Grande, Florida. I am in the middle, you know, of a nice vacation in Florida where it's 70, 75 degrees. I'm on the beach. I'm sure you're jealous in Ohio if you're listening to this. But so, you know, I'll keep it short because I want to enjoy the nice weather here, even though the weather isn't that great today. Um, Pretty stormy, but still, you know, I'm sitting here in a closet. Um, because got to keep as many doors between me and my family who's here and, uh, you know, trying to keep this podcast professional and some good sound quality. So I'm sitting here in a closet, so going to try to wrap this up as quickly as possible. But, um, first, you know, you can listen to this podcast anywhere, uh, Apple anchor pocket cast, which is one of the sponsors. Thanks to them. Um, a lot of places, I'm pretty sure you can listen to this pretty much anywhere, Spotify, etc. If you're listening on Apple, which most of you probably are, leave a five-star review, please. Uh, I think I'm going to start asking asking for listener questions. Um, I am affiliated with Cleveland Sports Talk, which is also affiliated with the Buckeye Sports Talk, which is a website as well as a pretty popular Twitter page. It's got 23,000 followers. I'm the social media manager of that. So I'm going to start probably before a day or two before I do my podcast and maybe post a little thing on there that's like, hey, if you got some listener questions for the show this week, just send them in on this comment section and then I'll answer all of those. So if I'm going to start doing that, if people leave comments and they leave questions, then I'll can continue to do it. If no one does anything, then I guess I won't do it. <laughs> so uh, finally, just follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jacob Wilson 1997. That's my name, uh, J-A-C-O-B-W-I-L-S-O-N 1997. And my, uh, you know, the year I was born. So yeah. That should do it for the housekeeping for the pod, though, so we'll jump right into what people are here for, not for me, but for their Ohio State Buckeyes, as well as some other Ohio sports teams. Ohio State, they wrap up their early signing period with the 12th best national class and the third best in the Big Ten. Nothing to freak out about, though, because they did not sign that many people this um, class. They only have 16 commits. 15 signed their letter of intent yesterday. One is still a hard commit, um, taking his time to decide to sign. We'll talk about that, but... Yes, you see 12th best national class, and you're used to Ohio State being usually 2nd, 3rd, 4th, or 5th, but that's mostly because they just have a smaller class this year. Um, the likes of Michigan, Penn State, Alabama, those guys are signing about 26, 27 people this year, and Ohio State at the moment only has 16 commits, like I said, so 10 less commits. That's why their class is this low at 12th and 3rd in the Big Ten, but if you look at it per um, rating, per recruit, I believe they're third nationally and first in the Big Ten by a, a decently wide margin, I believe, in the Big Ten. So nothing to worry about there. Um, ESPN will want to spin that the way they can and say Ohio State's on the downturn recruiting because of Ur- Urban Meyer and all this stuff, but not really. Um, you can't 
have 25, 26 commits in every single class because you only get 85 scholarships. Uh, 25 times 4, quick math, is 100 commits. So you can't have 100 people on scholarship. So you can't have 25 people committing every single year. So every once in a while, every three, four years, you got to have this down year where you only commit 16, 17, 18, 19 guys. And it looks like that's what Ohio State's doing this year. But if you really just look at the average rating of each recruit, Instead of just looking at how many recruits they have, they're still having a very solid year. And with the circumstances at hand here in Ohio State, it's a very solid year. You lose the greatest, one of the greatest college football coaches of all time and arguably the greatest recruiter of all time in Urban Meyer. And you're still able to get, um, I think, the third best class by rating. So that's still a very impressive draw there for Ryan Day. He does a good job at landing a lot of big names. And the biggest one of them all was Zach Harrison. Um, he's never really been solid anywhere. He's been the number one recruit in the state of Ohio for a while, fourth national, and number one his position in all of the nation. He is a defensive end. He goes to Olentangy Orange right down the street if you live in Columbus, Ohio, as I bet a lot of you do live in that area. So yeah, he's right down the street from Ohio State University, and he has been all over the place in terms of where people thought he was going. About a year ago, it was for sure he was going to Ohio State. And then I want to say maybe two, three months ago, it started to turn to Michigan and then when Ohio State obviously blew out Michigan and played really well against them, and things started to turn back towards Ohio State. And then within the last few days, it started to look like it was for sure going to be Ohio State. And yesterday about this time, I'm recording at 1.30, I want to say about this time yesterday, 24 hours ago, he made it official he was coming to Ohio State. And like I said on my last podcast, I believe, which has been about a week and a half since that one, um, I pretty much talked about how I don't like to get too black and white with things, but... In terms of this recruiting class, you know, it's not the greatest of all time. We just talked about that for the last five minutes. So it's still a good, it's still a very good class, but it's definitely not their best class of all time. But getting Zach Harrison was what was going to make this class. You have to get Zach Harrison. That's the difference between this class being a successful class and a, not a failure, but a very mediocre class. So Zach Harrison was a huge get. Olentangy Orange, number four in the nation, number one in his position, and number one in the whole state of Ohio. Um, yeah, you just got to get Zach Harrison. Um, that would have been two years in a row, not getting the number one Ohio recruit. So that was huge for Ohio state to get Zach Harrison. And I'm extremely excited about Ohio state getting him. Um, in his press conference yesterday, Ryan day seemed very excited about getting him. He said, you know, he's got the potential of the likes of the Bozas of this world and that he's going to be a very good player for Ohio state. So extremely excited for Ohio state to get Zach Harrison. Um, and of course you get him over Michigan and Penn state, your two biggest rivals, it just makes it that much more sweeter. So that would have been huge. Um, Michigan already is having a very good class. I hate to say it, but if they would have got Zach Harrison, we wouldn't have. It would have made their class that much better, and our class pretty mediocre. So he was a big get for Ohio State, no doubt. Um, five-star Harry Miller and Garrett Wilson also signed. They are the other two five-stars in this class. You've got Garrett Wilson. He is a wide receiver. I watched his highlight video today, actually, for the first time, and that guy is a beast. I mean, he's unreal. Um... He's very good at high-pointing the ball. He's the second-best wide receiver in the country. He's second-best player in the state of Texas, which is a very good recruiting uh, state, as we know, for high school talent. So, And 16th in the nation, like I said. Harry Miller is the second. Uh, he's an offensive center, which we know that we could use. So getting him was big. Actually, he was a guy that showed some hesitancy when Ryan Day became the head coach. Uh, was that two weeks ago? And Urban Meyer stepped down. He was a guy that initially backed out of his commitment but uh yeah and then 
about a week ago, it was said that he, you know, had a in he had an in-house visit with Ryan Day and that things were going a lot better and he was probably going to sign on this early signing period today and that's what ended up happening. So big get for Ryan Day, a guy that immediately decommits once Urban Meyer steps down and then just two weeks later he signs on early signing period the first day. So that was big for Ryan Day to get Harry Miller, a five-star offensive center and the second best center in the whole entire country. So you're looking at the best center in the country, the best wide receiver in the country, and the best defensive end all coming to Ohio State. So that's exciting stuff. Um, so that does it for the five stars, Harry Miller, Garrett Wilson, and Zach Harrison. And you've got, um, <clears throat> let's see who else we got here. we got Kate Stover, who is very close to being a five-star. He's right on the edge. He's a four-star. Um, he's 106th best player in the nation. He's the fifth best linebacker. And he is the third best player in the state of Ohio. So it's good to get those really good Ohio recruits. You've got the best player in Ohio in Zach Harrison. Now you have the third best player in Ohio in Cade Stover. Yeah, and uh, linebacker was another place that Ohio State didn't do their best at this year. Um, it wasn't awful, but it could have been a lot better. And just being Ohio State fans in general, <clears throat> sorry, you're used to having really good linebacker play. So it's good to see that we've got what looks like a beast coming in from Cade Stover from Mansfield, Ohio. Um, and we've got Ronnie Hickman. He is a safety uh, Jameson Williams, he is a wide receiver. Steel Chambers, which is just a great name, Steel Chambers, um, from Georgia is coming in. He's the 10th best uh, wide... Actually, he's, it just says he's an athlete. I believe he's a running back. It puts him as the 10th best uh, spot for his position in the country. And then you've got Ryan Jacoby. He's from Mentor, Ohio. Tommy Eichenberg, he was Ryan Day's first ever commit. Um, he signed yesterday, so that was exciting. He's another linebacker from Ohio, so you got another guy who's coming in. Um, linebacker is just one of those positions where a lot of it comes down to heart and a lot of it comes down to playing with pride, and it's good to have two linebackers coming in from Ohio who are both Ohio State fans that are going to play with a lot of pride for this team. I like to see that. Eichenberg, he had some comments yesterday about coming to Ohio State. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but basically talked about how he was going to play with pride and he was going to give his all to this university and he was going to be the guy ready to stop runs and ready to fill gaps in the middle um, when the other team is running the ball down our throats. So that's good news to see. Then you got Noah Potter, Micah Potter's brother. He is a defensive end as well, I believe. Yes, defensive end, um, number 330 nationally, um, 24th in his position, and ninth in the state. So that's good to see. Another Ohio guy. There's actually a good amount of Ohio guys in this uh recruiting class. I know there's a lot of people in the Ohio State fan base complaining about the lack of Ohio guys over the past few recruiting classes. So now this class had uh, 15 guys so far and five of them are from Ohio. So a very a good amount of Ohio players and a lot of good Ohio players too. So that's good to see. Um, I think that does it for all the big names. So like I said, there's 15 guys that signed yesterday, but 16 hard, we have 16 commits. 15 of them have now signed. The one who didn't was Doug Nestor. He's actually a pretty big guy to get. He's 92nd in the nation. He's the fifth best uh, offensive guard. We know we could use some offensive guard. We could use some offensive line help. He's the fifth best in the nation, and he's the second best player in his state of West Virginia. So Doug Nestor is going to be a big get for Ohio State. He's still uh, committed to Ohio State. Let me look at his profile here, see what the crystal ball has him at. Give me one second. Um <clears throat> Still says 100% Ohio State, so I mean, according to 24-7 Sports here, they still believe, even though he didn't sign yesterday, he'll probably sign in February during what is technically National Signing Day and what is technically the uh, regular signing period, even though everyone signs during this early signing period now, but 
So Doug Nestor will be a big get for Ohio State, a big priority to get him in February since he did not sign during this early signing period. And then they're sitting at 16 commits. They'll probably try to add two or three more. Um, in terms of people who flipped yesterday, you had Jawain Mathis, a very interesting one. He was a QB commit, our only QB commit in this 2019 class. He was a four-star guy from Michigan. He was committed to Michigan State a few months ago. He flipped to Ohio State. And then kind of out of nowhere yesterday, I don't think it... Jordan Battle also flipped, but a lot of people were expecting that. We'll get into that, though. But Dwayne Mathis, no one was talking about him flipping, and kind of out of nowhere, he flipped to Georgia. Um, and a lot of that has to do with everyone believing uh, Justin Fields might be coming to Ohio State. We'll get into that later, though. So Dwayne Mathis, a four-star guy from Michigan, a QB, the only QB in the class. He flips from Ohio State, and he's going to Georgia. So I think it's interesting. If I was him, I would wait and to see if Justin Fields comes to Ohio State and see if Dwayne Haskins is staying at Ohio State and then decide whether you're going to commit to Ohio State or Georgia. I think it was a weird decision to just straight up commit with Georgia and sign with him. I believe he just straight up signed with Georgia. So yeah, it was an interesting decision. I don't really understand it, but hey, to each their own. So uh, then you got Jordan Battle from Al. Uh, he's from Florida and he was actually a very, very good player. It doesn't hurt as much because we probably knew he was going to flip yesterday and he flips to Alabama, which does make it hurt that much more. But Jordan Battle, a longtime Ohio State commit, flips from Ohio State to Alabama. Um, you know, you don't want to see Alabama get any more talented than they are. And they had a great recruiting class this year. They're number one, and they're number one by a wide margin this year. They have like 26, 27 guys. And I want to say like they have 20 guys in the top 300, which is just absurd. So Alabama continues to get better. But overall, still a very good class for Ohio State. Expect them to add a few more people, and you might be seeing some transfers coming in, which is kind of what we'll talk about next. Uh, who will be the starting QB next year for the Ohio State Buckeyes? Um, yeah, this is a lot of question behind this one here. We've got Dwayne Haskins. Obviously, if he decides to stay, he is going to be the starting quarterback next year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, <clears throat> so more of the question is, will he stay? We've seen some interesting stuff on this lately. Um just the fact that he's so willing to play the Rose Bowl shows how much he loves Ohio State and maybe says a little bit about his possible future here at Ohio State. You also look at the fact that um, Mike Weber on Instagram announced that he was leaving Ohio State. Uh, pretty much expected. Probably why I haven't really talked about it yet. Mike Weber is going to go to the NFL, and you can't blame him. He was behind J.K. Dobbins for most of the year, and he's now eligible to go to the NFL, and I don't think he's going to get... I don't think coming back another year is going to elevate his draft stock anymore. So he goes to the NFL, and the first comment on his post is a post from Dwayne Haskins that says, one more year, Mikey, um, with a sad face. So maybe showing a little bit there from Dwayne. I mean, if you really want to read into it, it basically says, one more year, Mikey. Um, of course, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but if you're really thinking thinking about it, why would you say that unless you are coming back for one more year if you are uh, Dwayne Haskins? So... You know, there's been that. There's just been the fact that he's so willing to play in this Rose Bowl. And there's just the fact that he loves Ohio State so much. And he's just getting a lot of disrespect from some of the people who... Some of the pro scouts, I guess, saying that Justin Herbert is a much better quarterback than him. Although I don't really think there's any reason to think that. So who knows? Um, at the end of the day, I still think Joanne is gone. But there's a little bit more hope than there was maybe a week or two ago. So just keep an eye on eye out on that. Um... If he comes back, then obviously Jawain is the guy for next year. Um, but then we'll say if he doesn't come back, uh, could Justin Fields be coming to OSU? This was a story that came up recently. 
Justin Fields, um, Georgia guy. He was the number, I want to say, yeah, the best rated recruit last year. Um, the number one recruit in the whole entire nation, not just for his position, not just from the state he was from, but he was the number one recruit in the whole entire nation in the 2018 class. And he was a quarterback as well. So, I mean, to be the number one recruit as a quarterback is pretty insane. I watched this guy's highlights video. He is insane. Justin Fields, a true freshman this year at Georgia. He did, he had some playing time under Jake Frum this year. Um, he played really, really well in high school. He didn't play particularly great this year, but never really had a shot. And it looks like Jake Frum's probably going to be their starter next year. So he's looking to transfer. And on his list was Florida State, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. And all the signs are pointing towards Ohio State being this, the destination for him. So if he does come here and he wins his battle to not have to sit out a year against the NCAA, then he would probably be Ohio State's starting quarterback next year. Um, yeah, I mean, if he does come, then you could probably expect Tate Martell to transfer or Tate Martell might decide to try to battle it out with Justin Fields. But if it's between Justin Fields and Tate Martell and Matthew Baldwin, I think it's got to be Justin Fields almost for sure. So... Uh, keep an eye out on that. If you're an Ohio State fan, don't be too complacent with Tate Martell. Yes, he's a great, great player. He was the number five uh, quarterback in his class. He was a very good player. He showed a lot of potential, but I'm telling you, this Justin Fields guy is just next level. As much as I love Tate Martell, and I was excited for the Tate Martell era, if we could have Justin Fields, I would take him in a heart in a second over Tate Martell as much as I love Tate Martell, so... If we can get Justin Fields to come here, that would be a great get for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just a great player. I watched his highlight video, and I've never seen a highlight video like that before. I've watched a good amount of them, but I've just never seen anything like Justin Fields before. The guy is unreal. He has unreal arm talent. I've seen him getting tackled, falling backwards, and still able to throw the ball like 50, 60 yards. <clears throat> I've seen him run side to side like Ted Ginn, even though he's a quarterback. I mean, the guy is just unreal, so... Justin Fields, if he comes to Ohio State, that's very, very good news for Ohio State, especially if he can win his battle and be the starter next year. But if he doesn't come and Jawain leaves, maybe the worst scenario of all of them, and probably still the most likely scenario, Jawain uh, leave, leaving to go to the NFL and Justin Fields not coming to Ohio State because he could still easily go to Oklahoma, Florida State, or he could probably still most likely stay at Georgia, um, which wouldn't be a bad idea for him. So if in the case we have a quarterback battle between Matthew Baldwin and Baldwin and Tate Martell, that could be the final scenario and probably the most likely scenario still at this point, Matthew Baldwin versus Tate Martell. Um, I think that would be an interesting battle. you got Tate Martell, who's obviously the more talented guy. He was a five-star recruit. Matthew Baldwin was a three-star. But then you got Baldwin, who has showed a lot of promise, according to people that know a lot of this stuff, and he plays really well in practices. He's just a really good team guy, very smart, and he also is a pro-style quarterback which Ryan Day likes more. He's now becoming the head coach, of course. Everyone knows that. And then you got Tate Martell, who's a more running-style QB, more dual-threat guy. Ryan Day doesn't have a problem with that, but he does prefer um, pro-style QBs. And he was also the guy who recruited Matthew Baldwin. He went down there to Texas, and he specifically got Matthew Baldwin because he loves the guy. He was a Colorado State commit. He was going to go to Colorado State for sure. And, uh, you know, Ryan Day went and got him because he just loves him that much, so... I think that says a lot. Ryan Day is definitely a huge Matthew Baldwin guy, so it'll be interesting. Uh, I think, like I said, Martell's probably the more talented guy, but Ryan Day likes more of a pro-style QB. Matthew Baldwin will fit the system a little bit more, and uh, Matthew Baldwin is also just Ryan Day's guy. 
I know that shouldn't go, come into the situation that much, but it always does. I mean, you look at just this year in specific, in general, I mean, you had Dwayne Haskins, who was clearly much more talented and a much better quarterback than Tate Martell, but um, Urban Meyer likes running quarterbacks better, so Tate Martell got some playing time. So you could see a similar situation. Ryan Day, um, Matthew Baldwin is just his guy, so how much will that play into that quarterback battle, if that battle does happen, which is most likely, I think, Still the most likely scenario here for Ohio State. Matthew Baldwin versus Tate Martell in the offseason. But it's still very possible Dwayne Haskins stays, like I said. And it's very possible Justin Fields comes to Ohio State. Um, transferring from Georgia, most likely. Still a chance he could stay at Georgia. But if not, he's going to Florida State, Oklahoma, or Ohio State. So just give me one second to take a nice sip here. And then I'll talk about the Browns and some other Ohio sports news. All right, <clears throat> let's talk about the Browns here. It's been about five days since their game against the, against the Broncos, but still wanted to dive into it a little bit. It was the first win against Denver since 1990. Obviously, the Browns have kind of been a cursed team against Denver. There was 1988, I want to say, was the drive when <clears throat> both of these games were AFC Championship games to get to the Super Bowl. Most of you probably know this, but I'll say it anyways. Both AFC Championship games, uh, 1988, um, Denver drove all the way down the field from their own one-yard line, 99-yard drive to win the game late. I want to say they're down like four or five points. They did it in the final seconds to win the game. Um, and then 1989, it was kind of the opposite scenario. The Browns were down, I think, four or five, and they needed a long drive to go and win the game. They get the long drive, and as uh, the Browns running back, can't remember his name, is running into the end zone. He f just fumbles it even without getting hit on the one or two yard line. And because of that, Denver picks it up and they win the game. Both of those scenarios, they go to the Super Bowl. The Browns have never been to the Super Bowl. So both of those were heartbreaking losses to say the least for the Browns. So always been kind of cursed against the Broncos. Their last win was in 1990, but they pull out the win. Not only do they do that, but they do it in Denver and what was a very important game. Um... Both of these teams had playoff hopes coming into this game. Even with the Browns win, their playoff hopes are done. We'll talk about that. And the Broncos' hopes are definitely done. So it was a big game in the moment. Both of these teams needed to keep their playoff hopes alive by winning. And the Browns came out with a win, and they did it without great play from Baker Mayfield, their star, which was good to see. Um, if you're a Browns fan, obviously you want to see Baker Mayfield play well every single game. But that's just, you know, not what you can expect, especially from a rookie quarterback or just any quarterback in general. Baker Mayfield's not going to play amazing every single game. He's going to have these down games, and that's what you want to see from a team. A team that can, even when their star quarterback doesn't play his greatest game, they can still grind out a win on the road against a pretty good team. I mean, the Broncos were fighting for a playoff spot, not a bad team, so. Good to see even with Baker not playing great, the Browns still win. And even with Baker not playing great, it was good to see from him that he knew he wasn't having his best night, but in the big moments, he found a way to do the big things. And even with having a pretty mediocre night, he still doesn't have the worst stats here. If you look at it, he went 18 for 31, 188 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. So still not a bad night for him, you know, even though it felt like in the moment watching it, it was pretty ugly. But you go, you go back and look at the stats, he still goes 18 for 31, 188 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Um, and then Jabril Peppers, he has his best game as a Browns player so far. That was really good to see from Jabril. Let's see what he had here. He had uh, <clears throat> six tackles, zero assist. Just all six tackles were just by himself. Good to see. 
one sack and one interception, man. He had that huge interception in the game. He just a beautiful interception. I mean, it looked like it was going right to the wide receiver for a touchdown, and he just came out of nowhere, just like a safety should, and just snatched it right out of the air. Um, he had a lot of tackles that were crucial, and then he had the game-winning sack, which was awesome. Fourth down and 10. Case Keenum drops back. Uh, Jabril Peppers just zero blitz right at Case Keenum. Doesn't hesitate at all and just takes Case Keenum down. Um, Jim Donovan had a great call on that. If you're a big Jim Donovan fan, the guys, he's the voice of the Cleveland Browns on the radio. Great call from him. Great game in general. The Browns win 17-16 over the Broncos. Baker Mayfield doesn't play his best, but the Browns still win. And without Baker, he doesn't play his best, but he plays... Good in the big moments. Um, he had two touchdown throws still. Two touchdowns in the game. Both of them came from him with throws. One was to Perryman. Um, the first drive of the game after a three and out on defense. They go right down. Set the tone. Score a touchdown. Beautiful throw from Baker. Great catch from Perriman. Um, and then the second touchdown was a huge one. To get it up 17, I think 13 on the Broncos. And Baker Mayfield sees a read he likes. He huddles everyone back up. Tells them what the play is. Tells them what to do. Has Antonio Callaway run a slant route. Throws a perfect pass to Callaway. Callaway has a good game too. He goes five receptions, 35 yards, uh, one touchdown. Nick Chubb runs for 20 carries, 100 yards. Five yards uh, on average per carry. Very good. Uh, He has a great game. So overall, very good game for the Browns. Unfortunately, this game was on a Saturday night. They win. They keep their playoff hopes alive. But then on the next Sunday morning... Things kind of crashed down for them. It was kind of a bittersweet weekend. Obviously, they beat the Broncos. There's still that little bit of hope of the playoffs for the Brownies, but uh, Sunday, pretty much everything they needed to go their way went the exact opposite. Um, They needed the Titans and the Colts to lose. Uh, Yes, the Titans and the Colts were both in the playoff race. To keep their wildcard race alive, they needed both of those teams to lose because both of those teams... um, if either one of them got two wins in the final three games, then they would go to the playoffs over the Browns. So they needed both of those teams to continue to lose. And both of those teams play each other. So the fact that both of them got a win mean that they meet in the final week of the season. So no matter what now, unless they tie, which is the only scenario alive for the Browns, then the Browns will not go to the playoffs because one of those two teams will play each other and get that second win out of three games that they need. Um, and then in terms of the division, that, that was still a little bit alive. The Browns needed to win this game, which they did. And then they needed the Steelers to lose to the Patriots, which was obviously very possible and probably even likely. But no, the one time I root for the Patriots in my life, they lose, unfortunately, to the Steelers 17-10. to I think that game was pretty solid football game to watch. But unfortunately, the Steelers win that game. And uh, they don't wrap up the division with that game, but they knock the Browns out of the playoffs, which I'm sure they enjoyed, unfortunately. So the Browns get a big win this weekend, but are unfortunately out of the playoff race. So... Other Ohio sports news, we had Josh Gordon stepping away from football today. Um, That was an unfortunate one. Obviously, as a Browns fan, have a little bit of a strong connection to Josh Gordon. He played really well in that 2014 season. He's always struggled with uh, addiction issues as well as just mental health issues in general, which is unfortunate. You know, I mean, it's just you you never like to see that. You never like to see a guy with so much talent um, not be able to live up to that potential and there's a lot of money in his life he's thrown away and a lot of good years of his career that have been unfortunately thrown away. And I don't want to put it on him personally. Um, I think he's got a lot of issues, a lot of uh, mental health issues that can be extremely hard to deal with. So I feel bad for him there and I hopefully he figures it out. But I do think this is probably his last chance in the NFL. But 
I still hope he turns around his life and has a good life. So the Cavs are still losing and playing young talent. Um, they're still playing the likes of Colin Sexton and others and getting them better, but they're doing it while losing, which if you're a Cavs fan is good because you're tanking right now, hoping to tank for Zion. Let's look at the NBA standings here. We've got uh, Cavaliers are 8-24, and 24, which unfortunately still puts them better than two teams in the NBA. The Suns are also 8 and 24, but then you got the Hawks at 7 and 23 and the Bulls at 7 and 25. So, Cavaliers are losing right now a lot, but they need to lose even more if they want to get that, you know, that one spot. It is a lottery, but you still you want to see them have the worst record at the end of the year. It sounds counterintuitive to a lot of maybe some people listening, but if you're a Cavs fan, you got to root for them to lose. Unfortunately, it is fun when they win and stuff, which they did. They beat the Pacers at a buzzer beater from Larry Nance Jr., I think two or three nights ago, but still you want to see them technically lose those games, unfortunately, but it still is fun to watch them win. So the Blue Jackets are still second in the, what are they playing? The Metropolitan, I want to say, division. Yeah, Metropolitan division. They are still second in that, which currently puts them in a playoff place since the top two seeds in each division get into a playoff race, and then there's four wild cards, I want to say. Or maybe, yeah, four wild cards, two from each division, so yeah. They're still second in the Metropolitan behind the Capitals and the Islanders and Penguins are on their tail for that second spot. So still hanging on to a playoff spot, which is good to see. The Indians are still working hard to trade Corey Kluber. I can't tell you why, but they are. So that's just an update there for the most part. They're still trying to get rid of Kluber. Don't exactly know why, but I guess they feel like... I think, one, they're trying to do a retooling. I think they're trying to do a soft rebuild, like I said in my last podcast. They uh, they want to just get rid of a few pieces. They still want to be good enough to win the division, but probably not good enough to win the World Series. Kind of a soft rebuild, get rid of a lot of cap space, still be good enough to win the division, and then hopefully make another run at it in maybe three or four years um, once they build up some more cap space and acquire some more young talent for cheap. And then... Um, Finally, we've got a new playoff format in the MLS that directly affects the crew, obviously, since they play in the MLS. So the new playoff format in the MLS is, I want to say there'll be 24 teams in the league next year with the addition of FC Cincinnati. And then you'll have 24 teams. The crew will be here next year, thankfully, as we've talked about before on this podcast. But uh, we'll have the crew, 24 teams. There's going to be 14 teams in the playoffs, which I don't love. Um, but I do like the actual format itself. You've got seven teams. You've got two taking on seven, three taking on six, and four taking on five. Um, they all play each other, and then the one seed gets the bye, and then all the teams that win those games, um, the four versus the five plays on the one, the two and the seven play the winner of the three and the six, and so on and so forth. That happens in each side of the conference, Eastern and Western Conference. Both get seven playoff spots. The one seed gets a bye. And then it's single elimination games now. Before there was uh, two-legged games against each other and the winner on aggregate, whoever had the most goals after both legs, home and away, would be the winner of that. Now we just have single elimination. Uh, the home team will always be the team that had the better record you know, before in the uh, regular season. So I like it. It makes the playoffs much quicker. It actually cuts the playoffs in half. It takes it from a two-month thing to a one-month thing. So... It also cuts the season by one month, so now the season will go from early March to early November instead of early March to early December, so 
that's good. Um, it was already a nine-month season, a little bit long, a little bit more than we're used to here in America. So takes it to an eighth-month season. It also takes the two-month playoff system that was ridiculous down to one month. And it makes a single elimination competition, which I like. Makes it a little bit more Americanized, which I like. Um, I don't like the fact that there's 14 teams out of 24 getting into the playoff, but at the end of the day, I'll be all right with it because I do like the format itself a lot better. I'd rather see the similar format with maybe four teams getting in on each side, make it a little bit harder to get to the playoffs, make the regular season more important. I like the fact that it emphasizes the one seed, so getting first in your conference is very important, but at the end of the day... Um, overall, I do like the new format in the MLS, so I think that will do it here for Ohio versus the world. Hopefully everyone's doing well. I'm doing all right since I'm here in Boca Grande, Florida. Um, gonna go get myself some lunch and enjoy my day, but as always, uh, if you're listening on Apple, leave a five-star review, please. And, you know, I'm gonna start doing the listener questions, so I'll probably send something out on Ohio versus the world, and I'll try to get a guest on here. This is two straight podcasts where you have to listen to me talk fast, anxiously by myself in a closet. So if you like that, all right. But if not, then the good news is I'll probably have someone on here soon. Uh, It's just been hard to get people on. Everyone's busy with the holidays, you know. So hopefully get someone else on here soon and uh, have another podcast coming at you within the next week or two. Obviously, we've only got two more Browns games and one more Ohio State game, which will do it for football for the season. Still a lot of off-season news like the draft for the Browns and, of course, recruiting for Ohio State. Even though they just wrapped up most of the recruiting, there'll still be a lot of football news. But overall, um, if I go two or three weeks without recording, don't be surprised. Don't think that the podcast is over, but there's just not going to be a lot of content to get out there. Um, it is America. So if you're not a huge football fan, unfortunately for you, it is America. Most people here like football. That's their favorite sport. So it is mine as well. So that's mostly what I talk about. As always, I jump into other Ohio sports news, and I'll do my best to talk about Ohio State basketball and uh, just other sports in general, like the Indians, Cavaliers, Blue Jackets crew. But, you know, for the most part, there'll probably only be a podcast every two or three weeks over this off season, from, I guess, January, February-ish to August. So, yeah, I'll do my best to keep pushing out content. If you don't see an episode from me from a week or two, don't worry. I'm still putting out content, still here working, still doing my best. So, yep, that should do it pretty much for this podcast. Thanks for listening to Ohio versus the World.